0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm Jason Shulman. We've got a great show for you today. My guest is Maud Mandel, Dean of the College at Brown University, here to talk about her new book, Muslims and Jews in France: History of a Conflict, published in 2014 by Princeton University Press. Maud, welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies. Thanks so much. Well, we're glad. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm Jason Shulman. We've got a great show for you today. My guest is Maude Mandel, Dean of the College at Brown University, here to talk about her new book, Muslims and Jews in France, History of a Conflict, published in 2014 by Princeton University Press. Maude, welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies. Thanks so much. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, So Maude, what's been the standard story about what's been going on between Muslims and Jews in France since about 2000? And, And what's missing from that story in your view?
1: Well, um, as your question indicates, in 2000, uh, there was um, an outbreak of violence um, in some of the um, areas of large urban cities, Paris and other areas, where there were um, Muslim and Jewish residents, often not in the center of the cities, but in the working class uh, neighborhoods um, in its surrounding areas um and uh much of the story um of some of those conflicts that have come and gone rather periodically since then has been that um uh i would say there's a two-pronged there are two parts of the story the first part is that muslims and jews have sort of perennially had an ongoing uh conflict across time uh, depending on who's telling the story. So that's one version sort of since the birth of Islam. There's been um, ongoing tensions between uh, Muslims and Jews. Uh, and the other is a far more recent story, which grounds conflict uh, largely in as an outbreak uh, completely of the Middle East, which tells a story that um, Muslims and Jews in France uh, are in conflict because they have taken opposite sides in the Arab or in the um, Israeli-Palestinian conflict uh and um there is some truth to that story in that uh conflict um and violence waxes and wanes in, in France since 2000 to a certain degree uh in connection to events in the Middle East um but uh, as your question implied it also leaves out um two really important and related aspects of the story the first is um a historical component uh grounded in um where sort of the, the history of where Muslims and Jews come from in France, which is French North Africa, and the decolonization process. So, so the history of that relationship is really missing from the story, and what happened over time uh, to bring bring these populations occasionally into conflict with one another. Um, and secondarily, um, uh, a sort of a recognition that conflict has only been um, one part of a much more variegated and complex relationship. Um, that has also stretched back over time, uh, and that has imp- been influenced by very uh, uh, various changes in the French historical landscape over time.
0: So, why do you think we have failed to take sort of this longer view that you're putting forward? It seems like we are we're either looking at something that's timeless or something that's um, you know based on what's going on in Israel and Palestine. Why, why are we not looking at the longer story of of Friend,
1: a france uh, that's a really good question i i mean i think in some ways it's almost always the case when there are controversial moments of the day uh and media is looking for very quick and rapid um explanations to very complex problems that we overlook uh history i think that's that's a common complaint of my discipline um actually that that the complexities of the historical uh process uh, get le- get less, get left out very often Uh, Also, I think, though, some of that has to do with the particularities of this story, which um, um, really since World War Two has has been telling the story of Muslims and Jews writ large as one of conflict uh, that has really uh, been shaped um, almost entirely by the emerging nationalisms uh, that have shaped the Middle East. And again, that's that's not a wrong story. Um, There's a lot that's right about that story, but it's it's incomplete. Uh, And I think it's particularly incomplete in a context like France, uh, where there's another um, uh, several layers to the story that really come out of French history uh, and that are disconnected um, almost entirely from um, the the Middle East, as it was defined by Zionism and Pan-Arab nationalism and Palestinian Mm -hmm. nationalism.
0: Right. So the book is less about, you know, past conflicts between Muslims and Jews, but but more so about the story of of how conflict emerges. Yeah. Uh, you, what you call narratives of conflict. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, um, one of the arguments I really try to make in the book is that um, while anybody who's picking up the book today, and the book is called History of a Conflict. Um, so anybody picking up the book today, um, sort of thinks of these two populations as inevitably in conflict with each other. That this is a story that um that was inevitable because of what has happening in the Middle East, and also um is sort of uh, all we imagine and think about when we think about these two populations, we think about them in conflict. Uh, but one of the, the points of my analysis or really my starting off point was that actually there was quite a bit that connected the Muslim and Jewish populations of France um, that uh, really made conflict a part of the story of their relationship, but by no means the only part and sometimes the much less interesting story. So, Uh, The the large majority of the Muslim population in France came from French North Africa, um, mostly of Algerian, but also of Moroccan and Tunisian descent. Uh, And while the Jewish population um, has a component um, made up of Ashkenazic Jews from Eastern Europe, another very large percentage, more than half, uh, also comes from French North Africa and also largely from Algeria. Um, And that means that these Populations, uh, in, as they migrated to France, shared almost as much as what divided them, um, if not more so, uh, in terms of um, cultural connections, linguistic backgrounds, the shared experience of being migrants um, to France, being religious minorities in a Catholic country. So they had lots of things that that linked them, uh, and uh, and so my story is interested in helping us understand why. We have come to think of these two populations as perennially and inevitably in conflict when, in fact, the story is more complex than that.
0: Right. So, yeah, it's interesting to see there are all these similarities between the two groups. Um, But over time, we see the creation of of categories. Right. Uh, Why? Why do some people find it useful to homogenize the two groups?
1: Well, I mean, you know, politics very often simplifies um, and so it, it is useful for p- um, political activist purposes very often or um, uh, to um, uh, motivate groups to uh, simplify heterogeneity into homogeneous categories. So that's probably the simplest answer to your question. Um, I think the more the more maybe Specific answer with regard to these particular populations is that, um, at, and the book traces this at particular moments in um, French history, and I focus on kind of three key moments: the decolonization of French North Africa, uh, the 1968 student uprising in France, and the 1980s experiments in multiculturalism. At all, uh, at all of these moments. And there were groups of political actors, um, journalists, uh, activists, um, uh, social commentators, um, journalists, folks who uh, uh, sought to tell the story, an emerging story of um, uh, or or, or recount uh, Muslim and Jewish relations. And very often, um, for reasons that have to do with their specific, the, the particular moments I study, Uh, there are good reasons for homogenizing the population. So if I could just give one example um, to make this more concrete in, um, in North Africa, uh, as France was pulling out of French North Africa in the late 1950s and early 1960s, there are, I argue three groups that really um, start to talk about North African Jews as a category. There There was nobody really who socially identified as a North African Jew. There were Algerian Jews and Tunisian Jews and, um, Moroccan Jews and, and even some of those Jews identified it more with a particular region of those areas. Um, but uh, but I argue that um, international Jewish um, agencies such as the World Jewish Congress and the Joint Distribution Committee um, started to talk about imperiled Jews in North Africa very often because uh, they themselves, the, these international Jewish organizations, had been fighting to... Th- to save Jews during the Holocaust. And they were very focused on Jews as a as a for good reasons, as a um, as a targeted group. Uh, And so they started to see the Jews in North Africa as sort of the next in in line of Jews that needed to be saved. So that's that was kind of one group of actors that started to talk about Jews um, as a homogenous group. Um, Secondarily, was French officials in the region who, Uh, who were trying to keep control of French North Africa and who saw any sign of agitation or political upheaval, whether it was by Jews or Muslims, as as something to be controlled. Um, And so uh, they start to string together what are really isolated pockets of um, unrest uh, into a much larger North African story. That's not the only thing they talked about when they talked about Jews. But um, but we begin to see out of some of the French um, uh, political quarters, groups of people who are uh, colonial officials who start talking about a Jewish problem in North Africa. And then lastly are um, uh, many Muslim national groups. uh, And this is a a rather complicated story because many of the Muslim North African nationalist groups uh, in Algeria, Morocco and Tunisia often publicly made the case that Jews from their region were very much A part of that region so that Algerian Jews were Algerian first and foremost, um, Tunisian Jews were Tunisian, Moroccan, Moroccan, etc. Really, as part of their nationalist appeal, that people indigenous to the region should support the nationalist movement. But despite that, um, there were definitely um, individuals in all of these nationalist movements that also started to talk about uh, Jews as a group who were um, uh, disloyal to the nationalist cause or supportive of Israel. And so as a result of these three uh, groups, as I sort of loosely defined as groups, uh, we start to have a discourse of homogenization of a very diverse North African Jewish population. And this was one example. There are others in the book, but that that show how very um, complex heterogeneous groups could be um, broadly characterized into a single narrative group.
0: Right. And, and so what was the legacy of, um, you know, the colonial experience in French North Africa? Once these uh, individuals moved to France, was it, you know, psychological, political, institutional? What did they carry with them?
1: Um, So as as um, when as the France pulls out of North Africa, and particularly Algeria in 1962, um, something very interesting happens. They um, uh, Algerian Jews had been declared French citizens at the end of the 19th century, um, a status that they had lost during World War II and then regained uh, after the war uh, under Vichy. And in 1962, um, after a period of uncertainty, the French decided that um, Jews would be categorized as Europeans like the other French settlers in the region, and they would retain their French citizenship when they left, whereas Muslims who'd been granted French citizenship as part of various concessions to try to hold the empire together were stripped of that citizenship. So in the moment of decolonization Jews were categorized as Europe, Europeans and French and Muslims were characterized as um as Algerians and hence as immigrants. And that meant that although um many many Jews migrated to France and many um Muslims migrated to France they migrated as different categories. Uh and um and that meant their integration into France was different. So um you asked about what did they carry with them. So one of the things they carried with them was really different statuses in the French nation state Jews as, um, and again, I'm speaking mostly of Algerian Jews here, but that was the large majority of Jews who came. Uh, They carried um, their citizenship with them, which gave them access to housing, jobs, schooling. Um, Whereas the uh, immigrant Muslims who came ended up um, in the lowest sectors of the French economy, um and um often came uh into very underprivileged sectors uh, of French economy and society. Uh they also carried um I would argue different memories of what had happened in, in North Africa with their departure. So although there were very complex reasons why the Jews were um considered French citizens when they left and and, and departed as citizens, this this homogenized storyism of, of North African Sort of Jewish flight from the region starts to be told as a story of Muslim jewish conflict so uh, so the psychological story is um, is is very much one of Jews being pushed out um, uh, even though um, that's really not how the story unfolds on the ground. Um, meanwhile, Muslims uh, who come to France very much come after a, a very divisive war with the French over the future of Algeria and the rest of North Africa, uh, and therefore come um, very much as suspect migrants into a post-colonial landscape. So their trajectories into the French nation state are quite different.
0: Mm -hmm. I think one thing that you're saying uh, in the book is that we sometimes find conflict everywhere because, um, you know, we find it everywhere we look because the archives have sort of a, a conflict bias is—is mm-hmm. um, yeah. is that right? I,
1: well, yeah. The, one of the things when I set out to write this book, um, it originally had a different title. Um, I think I called it Beyond Anti-Semitism, and I was—I was interested in that title because I believed going in that um, that while we were hearing stories of great Muslim anti-Semitism towards Jews and a lot of Muslim Jewish conflict. Uh, that the story that if you scratch the surface, you would find far less conflict um, precisely because of the shared history that I described. Um, and while part of my book's argument is, in fact, that, that that is true, that there's a lot that the relations between these two populations are far more um, diverse than a story of conflict suggests. It's also true that when you're a historian, the the methodology you use is to go to archives. And if you go to archives, Uh, in the hunt for convivial relationships, they're often hard to find because usually archives uh, are filled with things like police reports um, and media uh, uh, archives are filled with news stories and news stories tend to drift to stories of conflict. Um, And so, in fact, um, the archival narrative that is left is not usually a the convivial neighbors playing cards in a coffee shop, although that happened all the time, yeah. um, but rather uh, when the police have to rush in after um, a neighborhood um, uh, fracas, or uh, journalists who come uh, to, you know, on the search uh, after after one of those events and tell a story of conflict. Uh, and so a, a scholar has to be um, quite creative, actually, in order to uncover um, other kinds of stories under those narratives.
0: Right. Why does the city of Marseille feature so prominently in the book?
1: Um, so most of French history is written from Paris, not all of it, but a lot of French history is written from a very Parisian centric story. Uh, but when you're examining the question of Muslim Jewish relations in France, one of the things that's interesting is um, other cities and particularly for me, the the, the city of Marseille for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is because um, from a very, uh 21st century perspective when um violence between Muslims and Jews really Muslims directed at Jews um in uh, 2000 and thereafter uh began to take place um it happened much, much less in Marseille it did happen there um there's no question but it was uh, it happened less the incidents um were were less frequent uh and there were a lot of explanations um as to why that was the case but it it drew my um my interest to the city uh, secondarily, the city itself has a geographic landscape that's really different from Paris. So it is a French city like Paris, but um, but in Paris and other large French cities, um, most of the immigrant um, Muslim immigrant neighborhoods and the descendants of those immigrants uh, live in these um, working class uh, neighborhoods that surround the center of the city, but they, they're not in the city proper. But in um, Marseille. It's actually the center of the city uh, is uh, populated with immigrants and children of immigrants. uh, And um, for a long time, the very heart of the city was was a mixed neighborhood um, and still has some traces of that to this day. So Muslims and Jews not only lived in the center of the city, but lived um, in neighborhoods that were um, mixed. Uh, So that was also quite interesting. And then the third reason Marseille was interesting to me is because of its geographic location, uh, it was very much the entry point, um, particularly in the post-colonial period for many Muslims uh, and Jews who were arriving there, um, which meant that some of the conflicts of North Africa and the Middle East played themselves out most dramatically in Marseille. Um, and so it's both a space of this word I keep using of convivial neighborly relationships where Muslims and Jews work in the same streets and go to the same cafes and even to some of the same butchers and um play soccer together uh, in the streets, uh, but also as a site where there is um, unrest when, for example, the French state decides to support um, or at least um, not prevent Jewish migrants from going to Israel to fight uh, in the 1948 war, for example, and Muslim dock workers uh, witnessing this happen and, and um, expressing discontent over that. So you have both things playing out in the city.
0: Right. One thing I think you want to argue in the book is that it's not just events in the Middle East that lead to tensions in Marseille, um but sort of a swirling mixture of, you know, global events in the Middle East, national events in France and then local events in Marseille. So how do we understand that uh, multi-level analysis.
1: Well, that's really um, you know where our conversation started. I was uh, making a case that while uh, the Middle East is certainly a part of the story for understanding Muslim-Jewish relations in France, uh, we can't really understand what happened there without understanding um, the national story, which is to say French decolonization from North Africa and how that shapes different trajectories of migrants on the ground in Marseille, for example. Uh, While Muslims and Jews do cohabitate in certain key immigrant neighborhoods um, initially, very quickly, Jews are able to move out into um, wealthier middle class neighborhoods due to housing relocation policies for returning citizens, uh, which often leaves immigrants living in the worst shanty towns um, while Jews end up on a more Uh, with more socioeconomic mobility. It's not to say the path for Jews was completely easy. Uh, There were there were plenty of difficulties, but relatively speaking, uh, their path into French society, um, the North African Jewish path was was um, less challenging. And so that's this national story of these different um, integrative pathways based on uh, citizenship versus immigrant status. Um, and then the local, which uh, as I suggest, um, there's a in Marseille, a particular geographic landscape, uh, which puts Jews and Muslims uh, in a couple of key neighborhoods, at least for the first decade or so after they arrive in France, where they're living um, often in mixed neighborhoods before they uh, go in these separate directions. Uh, and that also shapes their relationships on the ground there. And so I'm arguing that if you really want to understand Muslim-Jewish relations in France. You have to understand all three of these layers.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what struck me in the book was, um, you know, as you said, the Jewish community is diverse, the Muslim community is diverse, uh, and a really, really important question is who speaks for the community. Um, but isn't that the case in the U.S. and Britain and Canada? Uh, what What is specific about that question to France?
1: Um, well, I think, um, in a way, you're right that um, Who speaks for the community is not specific to France in the sense, right, anywhere you go, somebody is going to speak for the community. Um, But I would say that um, as a historian, one of the things we're interested in is how context shapes who the actors are who represent a particular group or why a particular set of individuals um, uh, speaks for a group, say, in a particular moment. Um, And uh, so in the French case, um, uh over time, this of course changes right because uh we have different groups um of people becoming spokesmen for the community at different moments uh and uh, for example, one of the periods I talk about is um uh nineteen sixty eight where a group of very radical leftists become uh inter- become um involved and active um in the surrounding um sort of political landscape uh, and end up taking having a voice and shaping these relationships that wasn't true in other places uh, in the same way. Uh, and so I think, you know, that the, the French context helps us understand that a bit.
0: Right. If we take the long view as your book does, um, what can we say have been the successes and what have been the limits of integration for uh, Muslims and Jews in France?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I'm going to take each one separately for a moment. Let me let me speak about the Jews. So we've been talking a lot about North African Jews. But of course, there are a lot of other Jews in France and French Jews have a long history in uh, the French state dating back before the French Revolution. Um, um, There have been dramatic. There's been dramatic evidence of of, um, very successful integration and dramatic evidence of Uh, limitations on that integration. Uh, And so to use the language of your question of the long view, I think if you look at the long view of French Jewish history, um, the story is one of relatively successful integration uh, with um, emancipation, with the French Revolution, uh, a 19th century of increasing um, integration and uh, Frenchification, to make up a word, and um, Uh, Jews playing a very um, important role in French civil service and government uh, and and, um, fairly few barriers to inclusion. But then um, really uh, sort of dramatically upset in a few key moments, such as the Dreyfus Affair and the Vichy years, which were obviously um, very disruptive and an indication of the limitations of French integration uh, for Jews. Um since World War II, however, uh I think one of the things we really notice about Jews in France is the gradual disappearance, actually it's not even that gradual, the almost immediate disappearance of um public anti-Semitism um in the French mainstream and um the progressive disappearance of any kind of structural inequality towards Jews. So that is to say, education, uh residency marital, professional Jews can by today pretty much um, have full access to French society. That's not to say there's no anti-Semitism. There is bigotry, of course. Uh, And there is um, obviously uh, as the launching point for this book, there is um, uh, conflict in particular neighborhoods and um, growing discord uh, between uh, directed towards Jews from some of France's Muslim population uh but the story of the long term story of jewish integration is um seems uh to be um towards ever ever greater integration uh muslims the story i think is not um we're not there yet uh I, the story doesn't start quite as early um but from a french imperial perspective um the the relationship of the french states to its muslim subjects was uh, always hierarchical um, Muslims were never uh, in, as imperial subjects um, have very mixed relationships with the French state. There are some and periods and moments where um, small numbers are able to attain the kind of citizenship that Jews had um, on mainland France, but mostly that's not the case. Uh, and certainly since decolonization, um, France's relationships to its Muslim minorities is complex. Many are now born in France and absolutely French citizens from a legal standpoint. But there is lots of remaining post-colonial structural racism that shapes their destiny in France. So if you use those same markers of education to good school, uh, sorry, access to good schools, um, uh, ability to move anywhere comfortably and and have a sort of economic advancement in the country uh, is much more limited than it is for France's Jewish minorities. And I would root a lot of that in this colonial post-colonial landscape
0: right i know historians make really bad um prognosticators and maybe 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 you have some thoughts about why that is but um based on your reading of the you know last hundred years or so right now given the recent um you know events and the uh and the and the um you know, tension between the two communities. Uh, are we in a new period? Of, are we in a new period of hostility um, or are we in a rough patch?
1: Mm. Well, that's a good that's a good way to frame the question for a historian. Historians are poor progress, prognosticators because of the methodology we use and the way we look at for beginnings and endings of periods. Um, so it's good to ask the question in terms of periodization. Um, and uh, it is hard to answer that because historians always look at long views. So when you're in the middle of something, it's hard to know if it's a blip or a, or a longer term trajectory. Um, but I have to say my my at least my analysis in that book, which ends in, in ninety one uh, with the first Gulf War um suggests, and I think there's additional evidence to suggest that we really are in a bit of a new phase. Um, and the new phase I don't cover in that book because I don't go past 91, but I think um, the rise of, uh, of global terrorism has has introduced a new element um, that wasn't part of my story. Uh, I, I would stress heavily that that element only touches a very small percentage of France's Muslim population, but the introduction of that small element into um, this relationship has had uh, much broader consequences. Uh, and it's at least right now, particularly given when you and I are having this conversation um, and what's been happening in France over the last year, hard to say that this is just a rough patch. Um, it seems it seems to be uh, uh, pretty, a pretty um, significant shift in the way we talk about Muslim-Jewish relationships, but also the way we talk about Muslims in France more generally.
0: Well, Maude, we've taken up a lot of your time, so uh, any parting thoughts you'd like to share, and uh, what are you working on next?
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, well, since completing this book, I am actually mostly devoting my energies to being dean of the college at Brown University, so right now I'm not actually um, doing uh, new research, but um, I would say... The, the next big project that's coming out is an edited volume on Jews and colonialism, which is an outgrowth of that last book and uh, which I've co-edited with two other um, historians. Uh, and I think speaks to uh, where a lot of the energy in the field of Jewish history is going right now uh, to thinking through how imperialism and Jews place within it, uh, how thinking about Jews place within imperialism has um, challenged the ways in which we write and think about Jewish history.
0: Maude, that sounds like a great project. I want to thank you for being on the show today. The book is The book is Muslims and Jews in France, History of a Conflict, published in 2014 by Princeton University Press. The author is Maude Mandel. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.